0: fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever and with fishing booker you can experience it too no matter where you are discover your next adventure on fishing booker
1: hey everybody welcome back to another episode of the journey within podcast well i've got the uh the legend back with me today and i say legend even though he's super young but he's by far the best <laughs> archer i've ever seen so i can call him a legend i've got chris b with me today how you doing today chris good
2: good thanks for having me back yeah
1: no problem thanks for hopping on it looks like you've uh had a busy busy fall in 2023 to say the least um before we before we dig in that do you do any of the shows i know you probably go to ata do you do any of the other ones um so i actually didn't go to ata
2: um the only one i am going to is nwtf okay um, I, uh, I'm getting better at saying no to things is kind of my, my new thing. <laughs> okay. So I, everyone, you know, pulled me all sorts of directions and, uh, I, I skipped out on, sh- on the show season this year just to be, just to be home and to get stuff done. So
1: kind of refreshing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It is with, uh, when COVID came, obviously I was doing, there were five shows that I was doing. So basically, mm. I mean, it was all of January, right. In the first two weeks of February. Yeah. And since COVID, I started coaching my daughter's basketball team, and I haven't gone to any of the shows since then. Yeah. This this will be the first one I'm going to go to SCI on Saturday okay. and then Grand Slam Club on the on the Sunday, just because it works out and it's in Nashville. I can get I can get down there, but I haven't gone to ATA or Shot Show or anything since. Just in today's world, like meeting with partners and everything. I mean, we handle all that so far in advance from when the actual show happens. Right. That it's been it's been it's been super refreshing not having to hit the road and go and do those just because you'd be so worn down by the time end of February came.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's fun. It's fun to go and, and to see everyone obviously, but uh, it's definitely nice to,
1: to not, uh, <laughs> to not. <laughs> it, uh, as you know, the nights get pretty, pretty long and the mornings come quick at the shows.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. Just draining. And especially if you're running a booth or whatever, I mean, all the guys that are actually, you know,
1: sitting there running boost day in and day out that's that's really hard on you too just wears so i know we 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 did a recap on on your mountain goat hunt what have you done since then it looks like you were basically i mean it looks like you spent most of the fall in a tree stand
2: yeah um right after mountain goat um let's see make sure i get my events right um went shot an antelope in south dakota um, went on an elk hunt in Utah, shot a pretty nice elk. Um, then I grinded it out for a long time on some white tail, uh, <laughs> stuff. I hunted, it was dang near 30 days in Iowa, um, before I shot one. Um, but shot one in Iowa and then shot one in Oklahoma and then shot another one in Iowa and that was, that was the end of it. It was kind of a, a marathon and then a sprint at the end.
1: That's what it sounds like. So on the, your antelope hunt in South Dakota, were you spot and stalk or out of a blind? It was spot and stalk.
2: Yeah, it was, uh, I had a mule deer tag and an antelope tag and, uh, my tag wasn't good until October one for mule deer. So we went, uh, I think I had just had like two or three days in September when we, we went, we were kind of going to hopefully double dip. And, uh, so yeah, it was just, um you know, public just bombing around and, and, you know, mule deer or mule deer antelope, they can't see very well um, in twilight in like the last 30 minutes and the first 30 minutes of light. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always been told that. um, And I've never really experienced it, but uh, we saw this group. It was, you know, like 40 minutes before, you know, uh, before dark and and we spotted this group and we kind of get, got in on them and it was a big group of does and just one buck. And we popped up over this little rise. And I think typically, I think if it was the middle of the day, they would have saw me. But I just barely popped over just my head, you know, and they were all just within 80 yards right there. And so I was like, oh, wow, like that, that this might actually happen.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Popped back over, arranged the block, moved my sight and then drew back and then popped up slow and they never saw me or anything. Um, and it was right, you know, probably right at that 30 minute mark. Um, and luckily the sun was right behind us. I mean antelope are so hard to spot in stalk. So oh. It's just gotta be the, the perfect scenario. And it, it was the perfect scenario. Um but yeah, that was cool. It was a pretty good one too.
1: That was why I was asking on the spot and stalk. I've i I've, I've blind hunted for uh, archery hunting, which I mean talk about some long days. Yeah. Holy, holy smoke. Yeah. Um anytime I've tried to spot and stalk, it seems like a half mile the group is just staring at me. But I've never been in that thirty minutes, you know, that sweet thirty minutes in the morning or at, at night with them. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> I've shot a few spawn and stalk.
2: It's very challenging. You have to, it's a numbers game. You have to go on a lot of stocks to have one finally come together.
1: Finally work um, out.
2: Yeah. Just, you know, they're going to bust you or it's going to be too windy or, you know, whatever. I mean, you got to, it's everyone I've ever talked to for spawn and stock animal numbers game. You got to do a bunch of them until finally, you know, it all comes together.
1: Yeah. makes sense. makes sense. So then on, onto the whitetail, you did two in your, in your, I guess, now home state of iowa mm-hmm. yep. were were any of them target deer that you had seen early in the scouting or were these ones that had moved in
2: um my bow buck earlier in, in archery season um he was a random deer i kind of had a weird thing or not a weird thing a really cool opportunity but also a weird thing in, in iowa I had, I helped manage some properties um, and they let me hunt on them and Mm -hmm. there they have really, really strict uh, rules, you know, like five, six plus year old deer, you know, don't, you know, try to really let the young studs go. And I mean, I have, I had so many borderline like 160, maybe even 170 inch deer that I just, that I passed, you know, that was uh that was rough, but I mean it's part of the the management there, and it's uh it's it is what it is. Um, but as season started going, I was like, okay, we're we're gonna kill one now. So I got some of my own properties that I, you know, either permission or whatever I can hunt on. Um, and that's where I ended up killing this one. Is um, I actually had a really really good deer, probably a mid seventies deer, on this property that I was trying to uh trying to hunt, and I had several encounters with him um super old deer uh several encounters within like 20 yards and just couldn't make it happen and then uh, the one I shot he's a great deer um not the not one I probably would have wanted to kill at the very beginning of the season but um he was still awesome he was just a random deer cruising through through the rut um uh but yeah probably the best season I've ever had in, in Iowa as far as um opportunity and encounters and just all around like just good whitetail hunting um and i was just incredibly picky and had like some incredible encounters and and saw some incredible deer it's just you know being an Iowa. i was i was i always am too snobby and my snobbiness goes down as the season goes on
1: <laughs> i think that that's very normal for a whitetail guy start with high and then yeah. kind of work in the middle toward towards the yeah time. yeah so I can't complain
2: at all. I mean, I shot a great deer and then and then late season. Um, I just shot like a super old um uh, management eight point. Um, I'm excited. I sent his teeth in to to actually get like aged aged by the lab. So I'm I'm curious to see how old he was because he's been around. Um and uh, he's just a, a bully, just a, a nasty old bump.
1: I've got a, I've actually got the picture of him pulled up in front of me right here. Anybody that that hasn't seen this deer, head over to Chris's YouTube or social, like the face on this deer just looks ancient. Oh yeah. Yeah. He, uh, I mean, I, I don't know how old he is. He's definitely
2: five plus, but he's definitely, if I had to guess more like six, seven, eight. Yeah. Um, just based on, I mean, just his body and his demeanor and. He's really dominated this one ridge. We had him on camera all year long, and uh, he just dominated it, like using all the cameras. And you could tell there was like no other good deer on that ridge. And a lot of times, if like <clears throat> it doesn't, a mature deer doesn't know the size of his rack, you know. So it's yeah. like all these mature deer, they are very territorial. So if you got a junker buck, you know, rack wise up on a, a ridge or part of your property or whatever, that's literally kicking out smaller deer, other mature deer um it's a problem so late season i feel like is always a good time um to be an opportunist i guess my, my thought was like any mature deer anytime during late season i will gladly shoot it
1: so it was day two and uh he came by i was like well here we go no that's a great deer to take i, I mean mm-hmm. yeah, that's just a trophy when you get to the the old deer like that so, oh yeah oklahoma have you bow hunted oklahoma before
2: I have. Yeah. I actually got a lease down there with some guys. Um, it's a really cool state. I think, uh, it's, it's definitely probably my top three favorite States to to bow hunt in. Um, it's just land of opportunity is like what I like to say. You got, uh, you can shoot two bucks, you can shoot does, uh, you can shoot pigs, uh, where we're at. There's a lot of pigs. Um, so I always go down there for a week
1: or so and you just end up shooting a bunch of stuff. <laughs> it's <laughs> a lot of fun. You know, it's just target rich. That, I like target. Listen, I like target rich environments. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> yeah. ne- never a, never yeah. a dull moment. Um, yeah. It's similar to Texas, you know? Yep. Yep. So when we, had, when we did our last podcast, after you got back from BC, you, you were able to hit on the new Matthews bow um, mm-hmm. the lift now, now that you can actually talk about it, like explain, explain using that bow in the field, things that, things that you really like about that design.
2: Yeah. So the biggest thing about it is, uh, well, it's, it's, it's completely different. You know, when people say, should I get the new bow or "What I like the new bow? I was like, well, it's like completely different from the phase four, as far as how it feels, how it shoots. It still has the Matthews feel to it. It's obviously still a Matthews bow um but it, it it is different um it's lighter that's the biggest uh change point i guess when you just pick it up is it's incredibly lighter sub four pounds um and it's more aggressive and a whole new cam system um all new mods i don't think people realize um the amount of work the engineers have to do to design every single mod because other boat manufacturers Um, They have like a rotating mod. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some do have a rotating mod. So you have either all of your draw length adjustments or some of them or a a range of them. Um, And in that range, you sacrifice performance. There might be, uh, you know, like your 29-inch draw slot might be the best performance. But if you go to 30 on that same slotted system, you're losing performance. Um, So what Matthews does is every single mod they literally design it to have maximum performance at the settings that mod is um now it it you know pro shops or whatever may find it annoying to constantly swap them in and out for customers if they want to change it, but it's always optimized for that draw length and that poundage um which is underrated I think that's uh why a Matthews always feels good no matter what poundage or what draw length you're at because it it is optimized for it um So with that said, it is, you know, with the new cam and the new mods, they had to redo everything. It's not like they could copy paste some stuff over from the phase four, Um, but it's a lot faster. It's a a lot more aggressive um, and it's lighter. So with all that, I mean, I was getting faster speeds um, and just carrying the bow around. I mean, if you do a lot of hunting, especially like a spot stock, I mean, even going to the stand, um, it's nice just to have, you know, any Anything lighter, you know, we're always trying to shave weight. Um, and the biggest thing I noticed was when I took my lift to BC and Alaska, I had to carry my phase four around as soon as the first day after carrying my phase four around, I was like, wow. I was like, I notice a difference in the weight of these bows tremendously. Like it's not a lot, but when it's something you're constantly holding, uh, you know, a pound is, is such a huge difference. Um, so I noticed that quite a bit um but yeah performance wise uh the bow is phenomenal it's it's the year of specs you know fast light um high performing uh it's a a little race car is is really what i like to tell people too it's 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 a really good
1: bow it's a smooth smooth shooter so i got to use it um this past winter on a a free range bison hunt on the turner ranch in nebraska so that was my first and and i carried it around most most of the day as well and it was just one of those things like you you're carrying it, but it's like you're not carrying anything.
2: Yeah, it's lighter than I think. Almost every carbon bow. Darn. Like it's one. It's I. I don't. I'm not going to say it is the lightest bow because I'm not sure, but it is by far the majority. You know, it's lighter than the majority.
1: I can tell you. So I have a local pro shop here in Grand Rapids who who works on my bow, and then I also use them as my FFL. So if I got guns that I'm shipping out or guns that are coming in, so I'm in there usually every couple of weeks for for something. They have been mm-hmm. selling the crap out of them. They said yeah. once once they got them in, people would come in and feel it, and they would just instantly fall in love with it, and they either bought it right there or were quickly back in in a week to get it.
2: Yeah, I know their back order log is quite impressive. Uh, it might be the the most back ordered bow in a long, long time. Um, some of that has to do with it, it's, it takes a little longer to cut that riser and stuff. Um, in the in the machine but it
1: uh yeah it's
2: selling like hotcakes for sure
1: people will be happy when they get one so i gotta ask you because i'm bringing some of the stuff from my my bison hunt here like what's the 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 fastest wins you've ever hunted in in a spot and stock oh gosh um quite
2: a lot honestly in uh South Dakota, we had some nasty winds before spotting and stock and meal deer. Um, I don't know how how much, but it's like, you know, sub-30-yard shooting type wind for sure. Um, why? Did you have some nasty oh, winds out there? Listen,
1: I think anybody listening that's been to Nebraska in, in November, December, January, February, know those winds don't stop. So, like, mm-hmm. I, I was checking the weather, and it was perfect because the snow stopped. There was going to be some snow on the ground, but it wasn't going to be, like, Just nasty, right? So I went with my daughter. I was gonna, I was bow hunting, she was rifle hunting, and we get out and spot and stalk and start in the morning. The winds are like twenty five to thirty, and you're like, okay, these are these are aggressive, right? Well, by by mid afternoon, they're pushing forty with gusting into the fifties. So, Mm. which is which for spot and stalk is sweet, right? Like they can't hear you for you can be right on their on their back. So we were on a group of bulls finally caught them in like a great situation they're feeding into the into the wind um and the wind's kind of quartering so i'm up on this on this bluff and they're literally feeding underneath at like 30 yards and a bison's literally the size of a semi right it's like it's the easiest Mm -hmm. easiest target so they're feeding underneath me and i'm to the point though like i can't reach over and range at the same like i they look so close, but it's a bison, so I'm like, it could be literally forty five yards, right? Like I need, I want to get to right. range, so I have to get up and stand just to be able to get over the grass to do it and I range it, and I'm like, oh, perfect, thirty yards. And of course, the one in the back sees me, so they go up the opposite side and stand broadside, quick range fifty five in my head. Mm-hmm. In my head, I'm perfect, right? Draw back, yeah, right on the vitals. I let go, dude. That arrow i have never seen an arrow do that before and it's my it's 100 percent my fault i've never shot and mm. i've never shot in winds like that before at my house like anytime it's nasty outside like i'm not I'm, like, I'm not going outside today it's windy why would i go shoot today and i let that arrow go and it drifted right back and i was like oh my gosh just <laughs> buried up to the fletchings right in the guts and i'm like oh my i just did this on, oh. on, on the largest game animal that you can shoot right they, right. And then it's like, okay, now we spend the next three hours getting another arrow in it, trying to cut them off, trying to get them down. But it was that, that was my thing is like, every time I go to the field with a bow in my hand, like I always take something away. And that was the biggest thing. I ne- it never crossed my mind on uh, an arrow floating like that in the wind. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, that's stupid. Why, why didn't they even think of that? Because with a rifle, I play it at a long distance right. with a rifle, I'm a hundred percent playing the wind. And with an arrow i'm sitting there i'm like man that was just stupid on my part that i didn't even think about the wind and play like that
2: yeah so we um when i shot uh more
1: target archery and competition stuff um
2: especially for outdoor when i did like usa archery it was um the standard distance was 50 meters mm-hmm. um and we shot in all sorts of conditions i mean wind rain you, you shot unless it was lightning um, so I've shot in some nasty wind before, um, and you really learn. I mean, granted, we were using smaller arrows, like the smallest arrows you can get, you know, like sub four millimeter uh, and tiny little veins and a bunch of weight up front. Um, so it was like perfect, perfect case scenario for wind for crosswinds. And still, like it, it was incredible. Sometimes we had to aim, you know, four, five, six inches off of center um just at 50 50 meters and if you you know now taking account when you're hunting it's bigger fletchings you yeah. know potentially a bigger arrow bigger broadhead you know it's like you have so much on that arrow that can catch wind it's yeah people don't take in, people just don't know and don't get out and practice and it is the biggest thing it's like wow if i shoot at 50 yards in this wind it could be five to 10 inches off you know it's it's wild
1: and that was i that was so i'm like if anybody's watched my videos i'm just straight honest when something like that happens right like i let it go and then it was just straight right to the camera of like i never never even crossed my mind when i went to let that go that about drift on it i'd like just just straight own it like i'm a believer of that like that was just yeah. me and i learned in the field I've, i don't know if i'll ever hunt in winds like this again that i would be somewhere to where it's that windy and i would go out um, but yeah, I mean, the one cool thing, like if you hunted in winds enough when it's super high winds like that, it's so much easier to stalk in just because everything's oh, so yeah. loud. You a hundred percent know where your scent's going. And once you get some hills and stuff like we were hunting in, like you could get right up on them.
2: Yeah. And I think the best scenario is like you are hunting in those winds, but hopefully they bed, you know, whatever you're going after bed in an area where you can get out of the wind for, mm-hmm. you know, where they're at. Um, I've I've gotten on a few situations like that. It's like really easy to stalk in, and then once you're in tight, the wind kind of dies down, or you can get the gusts right.
1: Um, yeah, I I love wind for stalking. Yeah, no, I knew once you once you said got to be a sub thirty shot, I was like, yeah, mine wasn't, mine was not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, windier it is, you bring in the distance. Yep, we just chalked that up as a as a learning curve, and and right from there. Um, yeah, yeah. So, well, you got to have those. So knowing you, you probably got starting to work on a busy 2024.
2: Yeah, you know, now is the time when we start to really, you know, book those things up. We got a couple of things um, lined up through WTA and then all my other stuff uh, starting to fall in line. But yeah, now until really turkey season is when I really like to uh, put at least the trips down, you know, make sure we got got everything figured out.
1: Well, I know at WTA the guys are working on getting you lined up for which will probably like I'm a I love travel right. It sounds mm-hmm. it sounds like they're getting you set up on one for an Australia water buffalo hunt. We have that on the books. Oh yep. man! So I've hunted Australia a couple of times. I've done water buff um, with a gun, and then I went last year, no, two years ago now, and did a whole, just a whole bunch of random stuff in Australia okay. too. Um, besides, I mean, the flight sucks, but besides that, like I love Australia, it's awesome. Yeah. So,
2: yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. That's always been, um, like a bow hunting bucket list. I've seen, I've seen a video, man, it might probably was like 10 years ago of guys just walking around, you know, shooting water Buffalo. I was like, that's cool, man. (laughs) Like I want to do that one day.
1: Um, yeah, I'm excited. They are they are like a tank. When you walk when you walk yeah. up to it like the shoulder, they're just so muscular up front and can take such I mean, you'll see them. They're just absolute giants. Um that'll be fun. Do yeah, I mean like, so what, like it, what can what can What you, is that hunt? What
2: is that hunt like? Like what do you what, what's the
1: hunting style? So I I know I know where you're going actually I've I, I the outfit you're going with was my guide last time. Um, I was, okay. was super awesome super awesome he he specializes in archery hunts like so you'll you'll be there and, and like Australia where you're gonna be hunting there's a lot of scrub brush so you're gonna mm-hmm. be doing a spotting and then the stock will be moving that scrub brush and it's I would their eyesight's not very good um, yeah so if you can play the wind get in there and just pick and choose your moment um, and you're like it's one of those things I would semi compare it to what you said for the antelope hunt, right? Like you just, you need lots of opportunities with right. water buffalo. If you can get one by itself, like a big bull by itself, you're going to be golden. Um, but most, mm. most of the time they're going to be with a larger group. So then it's all about watching eyeballs, right? Like you're going to be watching the one you're going to after, but there may be five or six other ones that are right there at the same, the same time. Right. Um, the cool thing is the population of water buffalo over there is. I mean, they're everywhere. The where you're mm, going to be hunting, okay. you're going to see a bunch. Seeing them's not going to be not going to be the problem. It's just where are they at? Picking the right stock to head into it, and then just making sure you slip, right. that, slip that arrow in there. Um, yeah, I've heard uh,
2: I've heard a lot about like the rib system. Um, how you can't shoot them really quartering away hard. Have you heard about that?
1: Yeah, I mean they're just super. I was going to ask like, what can you tease about your bow setup? for this one they're just like i like i don't know like yeah like they're they are i mean they're built like a tank i mean that's that's all i can say is they're just so muscular you got to stay away from the shoulder it's not going anywhere if you hit the shoulder you got to slip it back um i know like um the guys over there love the heavy fixed blade just super heavy arrow right like that's that's what the guys do um but I, that's where I was just wondering, like, if you've broken, started to break down, like, how what your setup because your setup for that is going to be completely different than anything else you do next year,
2: right? That's the thing is, um, you know, what would you run like a similar setup like on a moose, or are you
1: saying like it probably even requires more than a moose? It would probably require even more than a moose, like it yeah. is like so much. You know, like a moose is big, but it's kind of yeah, s- but it's kind of soft like, big and soft. Right. No, the ribs are hard, but, like, the skin and everything, like, right. the buffalo is just, it's, like, super muscular all the way back, and it's just got that layer that, like, it's going to have to be, like, heavy to get in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to do some experimenting.
2: You know, I'm always... I, I really like running, like, high poundage. So, you know, I shoot 80 pounds, uh, especially this year with the lift. Now there's 80 pounds, so maybe I'll try to bump up to... 85 you know do a little bit of messing around to get up to 85 or something and then still maybe run a 500 grain arrow with a fixed blade i mean that that should be fine i mean that should Um, do it yeah there's a point there's a point where uh you can do overkill you know you get too heavy and you're losing speed you're losing actual kinetic energy um there's an equilibrium point and i think the the best way to get to um more penetration more energy is just more poundage Uh um so you know if you're able to do
1: that it's 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 the quickest way you know everyone knows that matthews is a leader in archery innovations and i'm proud to be part of their team but little did they know that i've actually been part of their team ever since i was 12 and started pulling my first bow I personally now shoot their new Matthews Phase 4 and absolutely love it. So go visit MatthewsInc.com and build your next bow. When I pick my bow up for a hunt, my quiver's always full of Easton arrows. Currently, I'm shooting their Sonic 6mm arrows with 125 grain sever 2.0 titanium broadhead. Find Easton arrows at a dealer near you or learn more at EastonArchery.com. WTA Tags is a full-service licensing program available to today's sportsmen. Bottom line, they help hunters draw the very best limited-entry big-game tags. They offer professional consultation on where to apply and then properly complete and submit your applications to the states. Tags has the easiest, most reliable, and most complete service to assist you in drawing that tag of a lifetime. For a free Tags consultation, call one 800 755 eight two four seven or visit them online at worldwide dot com slash tags. That's worldwide dot com slash T A G S. That'll be the whole experience of that hunt will be a such a cool one. Like the whole the whole thing down there. Like I love I love Australia. That's awesome. Is there anything else down there like to to hunt? Like what else is down? There? So, where you're going to be hunting, they'll have they should have hogs. Um there may be some what they call scrub bulls too, which are like a okay. wild, wild cattle. I don't know if they're going to be banting where you're at or not, but you're because you're going archery hunting for for buffalo, like you're going straight into the mecca of that's where you're going for just a high density of water Buffalo to, to increase your odds of success on that one. Right. Right. Okay. But yeah, then depending, I mean, when you're, I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of other stuff to hunt in Australia. Um, but you'll probably have to move to a different spot of Australia to really, to really kind of zone Ah, something else. Yeah. Well, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm super pumped about that one. No, that'll be, that'll be a sweet one for sure. Um, then I know you guys are heading down to the jungle. Going to go with Bollum and and do a little jungle hunt too, right? This spring, yes,
2: yeah, which I feel like that's going to be an adventure, um, in itself.
1: Everything about the jungle is an adventure because I can 100% guarantee that you haven't done anything like what what the jungle is going to be like. And you're bringing 100%, you're bringing your bow, right? Yes, okay, perfect, perfect. Like, I so I (laughs) shot I don't remember if I told you the story or not. Like I think it was four or five years ago. I brought my bow down there to shoot um, an oscillated turkey with my bow. And how you hunt mm-hmm. them? How you hunt them in the jungle? It's completely, completely different than any other way you've turkey hunted. Like I guarantee, the first morning that you go out, you're gonna feel like you're doing something illegal because you're out there before <laughs> dark and you're trying to catch them in the roost while they're singing, and they sing in the tree. Until they right. get down, once they get down on the ground, they don't make much noise because of all the predators in the jungle, which makes sense, right? right. Like they're not going to be walking around in thick vegetation, making all this noise while there's 15 things out there that can eat them. So you right. hunt them off a tree. So when it was like third morning, we are sneaking in on one and I sound like a herd of elephants going through the, through the jungle. And I get there and I can see it in the tree and you could you'll start to tell when they'll get ready to get off because their, their head. I mean, their heads up now they're starting to to move a little bit. I pull back and it's at like 28 yards, pull back and I let go. And my arrow looks like a like a ping pong ball, right? Just bouncing off about 14 different (laughs) branches, branches. ding, 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 like in my eyesight, like I was so focused on the turkey, like I missed all these branches, but it ricocheted and hit it in the neck. And straight down it went. It was like the ideal shot. Oh. And but again, like I owned, I'm like, man, that hit every branch in the jungle on the way to that turkey. And <laughs> that's that's the one thing. It's just so so thick. Um now I will say you're going on a good year because last year um, at Bollum, they put in um, air-conditioned tents. So when you're back at camp, right, oh. you got AC tents. You'll be able to sleep at night. Like in the in the past, it was always like you go and get in the river and try to bring your body temp down as as low as you can, and then you run and try to get in your bed and fall asleep before you start sweating again. Like those days, those days are 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 over now with the AC tents. So that's that's nice. that's pretty nice. Yeah, that's but, huge. So it's going to be hot. Oh, it's going to be super, super hot, super humid down there. So basically, okay. you'll, you'll fly into either Merida and, and then go to Campeche City or you'll fly right into Campeche. Um, they're actually... like The food in Campeche is amazing if you like seafood. Actually, steaks yeah. too. But if you like seafood, like it's awesome. You'll spend the night there. Um, Ramon and Sergio will grab you the next day. And it's, it's about, I would say, depending on which camp you go to, it's anywhere from five to six hours you'll spend about three hours of that on blacktop and then about an hour to two hours depending on which camp you go to on a two-track road and as as you leave the blacktop you're literally driving out the back of a village and goes to a dirt dirt road single two-track next thing you know you're in the jungle and everything just starts to close in because of the vegetation Right. You know, it's just one of those things like at first some people feel claustrophobic because you can't see the sky very often like certain parts you'll see the sky but a lot of times if you think about a jungle that vegetation on top just just covers it and that's when you're you're going to start hearing noises you're going to have howler monkeys spider monkeys you're going to have all this i mean you're going to be in the jungle there's going to be stuff yeah stuff going around and how the turkey hunts work you get up get up super early there's scouters that that how they scout is when they go to roost at night, they hear them go to the tree so they you know you're in that general area and you leave camp then um, by Jeep that next morning. It may be four miles away or maybe 20 miles away in the jungle that you're heading. And then you, you walk in and, and hunt that morning on the turkey. Once the turkey gets down, then it just turns into like a, a normal type hunt to where there's probably like eight to 10 different jungle birds and species that you can hunt. And how you hunt those is you basically just walk the two tracks with the guides, and the guides have amazing hearing, and their vision in the jungle is ridiculous. They'll all of a sudden mm. stop on a dime, and they'll be like right there, and you're like, can't see a damn thing. And they they actually have this green <laughs> laser pointer, and they use the laser pointer to point, and you're still sitting where the green laser no is way. Like, I, like, I don't see it. And then all of a sudden, you'll catch, you'll catch something moving, and you're like, oh my gosh, there's something there. Like it's, it's the, it's the biggest learning experience, like to hunt the jungle that way. And then that's how you do it in the afternoon too. So you sit water, do that. It's just, it's so different. It's, it's so different than any other type of hunting here in North America. And it's probably, it's just such a unique Turkey. Like you'll see it. Their heads are so like this fluorescent blue and they got these little wart things all over and their spurs are super long. It's a cool one. You guys will have a blast.
2: Yeah, it seems you know the bird itself is just absolutely wild. You know, like you said, it's almost not like t- turkey hunting. It just yep. doesn't. I'm sure it's not gonna feel yep. like it's turkey hunting. Uh, but Yeah, it'll be awesome. I'm I'm pumped about that. One,
1: yeah, too. and the t- the type of hunting, right? Like you're hunting them out of roost, but that's how they've done it down there for hundreds and hundreds of years. Like the traditional jungle way is that like i love the adventure part of that now there's starting to be guys that do it in and cut maize fields over it's basically like over a maize pile it'd be like hunting over corn in kansas or something like that you can start right. to do it on the on the fringe lands of the jungle but like yeah I'm, i tell everybody like if you're gonna go and do it do the jungle way and experience that experience the jungle camp experience the jungle life because there's there's literally nowhere else that you can do that here in north america yeah that is so wild yeah but no I and mean, we have we hear such great reports right And especially truthfully the the major complaint we had up until last year was it's so hot that people just get worn down from being in the heat so long and now that right. we've, now that we've got the air-conditioned wall tents like people can go when they come yeah back, that's like that's huge they come back in that that three hours during midday or after you eat lunch like get to go in there and you get to take a nap or just just refresh and at night like if you i don't know if you've ever slept in like 96 and human right like you wake up yeah. but you're still exhausted because you just literally sweat out all night long and your body's just constantly dehydrated having that ac tent be able to sleep through the night's game changer yeah that's wild well, no, I'm excited. I'm excited about the AC. I'll tell you that. Well, much. that's why everybody like that's what every,
2: there's some people yeah. that really
1: get really excited, and some are like, "Oh, that's nice." And I'm like, "You don't understand the AC. Oh is yeah, a no. game changer."
2: Yeah, yeah. Especially if it's 90 some degrees
1: at night. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, no, that's it's wild. You don't need to pack much. Put it that way. One sweatshirt gets you by, and you probably won't even use it. Won't even use it. Yeah. No, no. Well, yeah, no. That's a, that's a super good one. I mean, everybody's super friendly there in the food for the jungle. Like a lot of what they cook is, is what gets shot in camp too. So you get to try all that stuff and it's pretty, oh, it's, nice. it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. The whole thing's awesome. Okay. Yeah. So Very let's see cool. what, what else we got on the list here for you. I know it's, they haven't released it yet, but I know you guys are, you and Nick have been working on a Alberta mule deer sweepstakes hunt too. Yeah. I think we finally have that,
2: uh, all locked in. Um, And I, I'm not quite sure when that giveaway is going to start. I think soon.
1: Yeah, I know. Um, Yeah. I think it's coming up in a couple weeks, like in in early to mid February.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I'm super excited about that hunt. That's been something I've always wanted to do. You know, well, we might get some velvet. Um, I know it's the second weekend of, or second week of September. Um, So maybe at the beginning we'll get some velvet, but still early season mule deer in Alberta um, is something I've always wanted to do.
1: So a mule deer with my bow is still one that I that I have to do. And there are two locations I would either do it in eastern plains of Colorado or that early season Mm -hmm. Alberta mule deer where you're going like that's you just see so many giants come out of there, right? And you're going to be stalking those things yeah. up tight in grass fields. So I can just picture all the videos I've seen, right? Like you just see the tips of the mule deer look at it. And you see these people stalking in and you get right on them. And then all of a sudden they stand, they give that, that second, like I've seen so many videos like that and it looks awesome.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I love mule deer hunting. It can be so frustrating sometimes um, but if, if you're in a good spot, I mean, that makes it so enjoyable, you know, just seeing deer oh, and getting opportunities, hopefully. So yeah, I'm,
1: I'm pretty pumped about that. That's awesome. So how many, how many other mule deer hunts have you been on in the past? Uh, I've done a
2: dozen or so. Okay. Um, yeah, I've shot some decent deer in, uh, Nebraska, Nebraska before they really tightened up. Uh, the regulations for mule deer hunting in Nebraska now, because it was getting really, really over pressured. Um, but five, six years ago, I think I first started going out there and it was really good, really, really good. Um, then every year it just slowly dwindled and you could tell more people were finding out about it. And, um, in South Dakota, I would always, I always go, um, South Dakota is rough. There's, there's a lot of people. Um, unless you have some good private uh, connections, uh, there's a lot of people that go out there. It's like the first state for everyone in Wisconsin and Minnesota to like go out west and experience out west, um, which is awesome. But then you just you're dealing with a lot of people.
1: Yeah, I know they they tighten that up, but Nebraska for so long was a two buck state too for for non residents that you could just go in and you know, yeah. one of them could be a mule deer. And it sounds like you've hunted mule deer enough, right? Like mule deer just can't handle that that kind of pressure that many hunters no. they're not they're not whitetails. they just can't handle that yeah
2: yeah and it honestly it was sad and i'm thankful that they did something about it um because it, it, it was just getting pounded
1: yeah i mean the good news about that though right like if they it sounds like the changes they've got in place are going to help and then give it a few years and hopefully everything bounces back
2: yeah i'm sure i mean the habitat's there um, it's really cool hunting too. It's, it's, it's still mixed in with like ag ag land and then you got all these weird cuts. So it's really like a hybrid style of hunting, um, where right. at least we go and it's cool. So yeah, hopefully it bounces back. Hopefully the numbers get back up and trophy quality and, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's happening everywhere. You know, we, yeah. I think we've had this conversation before, just pressure and, uh, you know, state departments have to react to it how do they, how do they manage that increase of demand and pressure? And, you know, I think some are doing it really well and some aren't and some are slow and some are fast to it. And, you know, all the above.
1: Well, it's one of those things for the state department. It's just gotta, it's gotta be a work in progress, right? Like you just gotta keep Uh monitoring every year and adjust from there. Uh, if you look back, I mean, the one positive that, that COVID did is it got a lot of people outdoors. Like it, it brought, brought that back. Um, but with that, it brought a ton of pressure on certain species. Turkeys is the one in the spring, right? Like I think a lot of people during COVID started turkey hunting or went back to turkey hunting. Um, Mm -hmm. it's one of those things, right? There are only so many turkeys and there's only so many areas that that you can hunt turkeys in, in the States that they, they, they got a lot of pressure, right? Um, harvests were up. So then you gotta adjust, you gotta adjust for that flux of, of more hunters. Um, The big ones out west, I would say, are mule deer and elk. Just a lot more, again, a lot more people are like, you know what? Yeah. I can't, like, before COVID, you kind of took next year for granted, and the year after that, and five years, and ten years, and when I retire, and then all of a sudden, COVID, at least at WTA, we hear it a lot. Like, it opened up our eyes to say, man, I can't take next year for granted. I can't take two years for granted right so i'm gonna if i want to go do something i'm gonna go do it now while i'm in good health i'm young and and guess what i can get the time off work like i don't right i don't know in this crazy world that we live in if things are gonna get locked down which i mean up until covid never even seemed like a possibility um so now there's just a lot of people that aren't putting things off as long as they once did and going out and, and really doing things that they've wanted to for a long time but with that i think there are a lot of those eastern hunters that have always been like man i can't i really want to go on an elk hunt, but i'm gonna do it in five years or i'm gonna do it in 10 years and they just said you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna go do it now so there was just a flux of eastern hunters heading to the west
2: yeah you know i mean it's it's just how do we react to it you know Mm -hmm. and how do we maintain the resources of everything and and, uh, time will tell you know, yep. it's just one of those things.
1: Yeah, no, it's so. Besides, besides those ones at, at WTA, which are three awesome ones, by the way. Do you, are you doing any other turkey hunts this spring? Uh, I think we're
2: actually going to do uh, Florida.
1: Oh, yeah. are okay.
2: Um, yep, through WTA. Um, so I, it's not it's not final final yet, but it's something I'm trying to do, kind of. Uh, not intentionally but since I've, i'm going this far uh trying to do shoot as many turkeys with my bow as i can this year okay kind of deal different um, different so subs
1: I, different subspecies
2: yeah and if i you know maybe end up doing the slam or something then it just kind of happened you know But i'll do
1: you know florida
2: was kind of the last one that wasn't already on the books so i was like you know what let's let's try to do it so if we can that would be cool if not not the, not the big, not a big deal because I wasn't like, I'm going to do it. It's like after this Mexico thing and I already planned on doing uh, Rio and Miriam's
1: and obviously I live where Eastern's yep.
2: are. It's like,
1: man, might as well do Florida, <laughs> you know, get, just get them. I did. Yeah. Uh, why not? I think in 19, I did the the world slam of turkeys in a spring. And I tell you what, by the time you get done with that, you are, you are bouncing between some areas
2: yeah you know hopefully uh some of them will be quote-unquote uh easier just for uh location and 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 stuff like obviously eastern and um we go hunt miriams with some buddies um and then reels with some with some friends It's it was honestly a lot of friend trips uh that's why i like turkey season it's it's uh lower lower pressure just for fun hanging out in camp sort of deal um It'll be spread out, you know, all the way through till May, March till May. So we'll have time. I think it'll be good.
1: No, that's awesome. Um, have you like, I mean, you turkey hunt a ton every spring. Have have you like Mm -hmm. looked at how many different states you have shot turkeys in yet? You know, I really haven't shot a lot
2: of turkeys, um, out of states. I've shot a few in Iowa now. I've shot a lot in Michigan. I mean, I shot one in Michigan every year for a long time, Mm -hmm. um, You know, I haven't shot, shot some in, let's see, Nebraska, um, Wisconsin. I've shot quite a few in Wisconsin, actually. I go up there every year with some buddies. So I really haven't traveled around a lot for turkeys. It's like just, you know, my home state's quote unquote, and then some trips with some friends and, you know, we'll, we'll shoot, you know, I've shot, I think five or so turkeys every year for the past few years and just have some fun with it. And, a lot of it we don't film. I just like I enjoy turkey hunting, just to go and, and have fun.
0: Yeah,
1: no, it is it is a awesome thing to do, and and then in the spring. So like, what what does your off season look like? Right, like right now I would consider off season. Right, like you're not filming in the spring. Um, summer mm-hmm. summer goes by super quick. By the time you think about it, getting getting everything ready for the fall, working on food plots, getting all that stuff. Like what what's your downtime look like? Is this just time that where you're like, I'm gonna take a couple weeks off to a month and just get refreshed after after traveling like that
2: uh, kinda not really uh tomorrow I go to Vegas uh for an archery tournament like an okay. archery trade show tournament um so that's tomorrow through Monday that'll be busy busy uh and then we you know we got nwtf at the end of the month and then we do uh two deer classic shows in March um and then the end of March is like our Florida trip you know and then Texas Turkey and right in the Turkey season, you know, there's really no yeah. break. My two slow months are February and March for sure. Um, and between, you know, just filming, we kind of slacked off, uh, this past month, cause I like got sick and just schedules down the line for keeping our two week of video, uh, routine up. But we typically do, you know, two videos a week and, uh, you know, everything else under the sun, um, a couple big projects, uh, been helping with, with some other companies that has been taking up a lot of time. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, we don't stop. Yeah. Honestly, the, 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 slowest I've been is is these past two weeks and of getting sick and just kind of hanging out and recovering. So. Well, those aren't, those aren't relaxing two weeks then.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I enjoy, I, I enjoy traveling and stuff. I definitely, uh, uh, you know, I'm thankful for for season to be over cause that's definitely a hustle and a bustle. Um, And, uh, you know, transition into this, this quote unquote off season, but it's very much not an off season for me. No. As for you, I'm sure too.
1: Yeah. No, my, my off season is I'm, I'm just started, well, started coaching in the high school girls basketball in November and literally yesterday we just started in middle school. So I have two teams going at the same time. So I'll, I leave my house at. 2 20 in the afternoon. And now I get back home. If, if we're coaching to practice, I'll get back home about 7 45. Knees are just mm. shot from being in the, in the gym for so long, <laughs> but kid, yeah. kids are kids are only young once and it'll go by quick. So that's what yeah. I tell keeps you in shape too. I guess that, right? it, that it does for sure. That it does for sure. One thing I forgot, I, and this is your, this is your first year that you're part of our WTA tags program too. So you got your port portfolio all set up and, and ready to rock and roll yeah so i've had a couple calls with jeremy kind of
2: uh talked about goals long-term goals you know i think that's the biggest thing with wta tags is it really sets you up If, if you don't pay attention to it it can really creep up on you yep you know which is something where it's like i haven't put the time you know sure i put in points here and there randomly but i've never done like a full portfolio it's like when i'm you know 10 years down the line if you don't set yourself up for some of these bigger hunts or bigger opportunities now you're, you're never going to get it, you know, and it's only getting harder. Um, so yeah, we put together a really cool, uh, portfolio for some, you know, b- some bigger hunts, hopefully, um, we can draw. So that's really cool. Very, very pumped about that. Um, he opened my eyes about some opportunities too that I didn't know about. Um, so yeah, very knowledgeable, very cool. i uh, very glad that we got that in place.
1: And you're, you're young enough that when you start applying for all these, all these ones, you've got a darn good chance of drawing them while you're still young and and, and in prime shape to go on them too, which is awesome.
2: Yeah. It's, it'll be pretty wild if we, if we do draw some of these tags uh, that he's got me in for, it'll be, it'll be really, really cool.
1: So I'm in that. We'll call it in some of them. I messed up because I didn't start applying for everything right away. I just applied for some of them. So I'm in that 10 to 12 points, generally speaking for mostly everything that I'm applied across for now. And now it's right. literally any year, right? Like there's certain tags that I could draw any year. So as, as states mm. start, states start releasing draws now, now it gets exciting. Like last year I, I drew a Nevada 221, 223 elk tag. That was, that was awesome to go on. Um, but now it's like, like I'm going to get pretty close to drawing some mountain goat tags and some other stuff like that. And I'm sure when, nice. when Jeremy set up your portfolio, like the cool thing is, when the, when the guys are so knowledgeable, right? Like, way more so than I am. But as they break up your portfolio, they'll, they'll go and be like, Yeah, in this state, we're going to have you wait. This is going to be a long, long draw. We're going to have you try to draw one of the premium units at like year 12 to 14. But we just know yep. that. Like, you're applying, you're going to get in for that one. When you draw that tag, it's going to be effing amazing right now yep. these ones over yep. here we're going to apply you into this zone because it doesn't make in this state we're going to apply it here and you're probably going to draw in three to four years because it doesn't make sense to go any longer than that like you're you could wait but the bulls are about the same like how they break those down and and relay it like you don't want to draw all the tags at once you don't want all bad tags but you can get like a variety of tags all the way through like that it's amazing like every time i've got right. my, i've got i got my kids started to apply as soon as they could like like at ten and twelve when the state started allowing them. Oh, that's awesome! Like my daughter yeah. in her thirties should be drawing. I mean, she'll have been applied for eighteen years when she's thirty. So I yeah, mean, she's, that, that'll be awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I wish, like hindsight, right? I wish, I wish I would have had that, had that done when I was younger. Because then all of a sudden I'd be, I mean, I'd be sitting here with twenty eight points in most states, and I'd be sitting really pretty, right, with but, a pile of text. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, no, that's awesome. It's always good to, like, some of the best calls the guys in the office get to do, right, Or when somebody draws a tag and they get to call them and let them know. Um, we always have a couple of guys every year that draw two tags. Um, and it's kind of one of those things you talk to them on the phone. Like, we had a get a guy that that drew two in Alaska last year. Um, he drew a, a Roosevelt mm. elk tag up there, and then he drew a mountain goat tag. And, and Eric had to call him, and he's like, hey – I mean, you drew the you drew both tags, and he's like, "Which which one do you want to go on?" The guy's like, "What do you mean, which one? I'm going on both of them. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna stay up there for two weeks." And you're like, "Oh, oh, oh that's oh, awesome. Okay, okay." But that yeah, you get a, <laughs> get get some of those good calls. But it's awesome. Yeah, I'm excited.
2: I got a couple years before I probably get one of those, but who knows? Maybe I'll get lucky.
1: Yep everything everything in the west always getting getting more tricky so anybody that's listening if you need some help with your your tag applications or are interested in a little bit more info give the give the guys in the office a call and they'll they'll break everything down to you and, and see if it fits you and what you want to do in in your hunting goals and so forth but, oh that's awesome man well it sounds like you got a busy year coming i'm sure Let's plan on touch and base again after your spring. When are you going? Do you know when you're going to the jungle? Going to Bollum? Uh Yeah,
2: let me pull up my calendar. It is in May. <laughs> uh, like second week of May.
1: Second week of May. So I'm going to pull up my schedule. So I will be down there the third week of April. And I'm going to be bracket deer hunting. Um, so I'll be oh, down there the 20, nice. 21st through the 20, 27th. So okay. one of the, one of the, uh, well, actually it is, there are two different subspecies of bracket deer, the smallest deer that there is in, in North America. So I've been looking forward to going on this one and it's, you hunt them the kind of the same way you deer hunt here. You get up, get up early, get out there and they're extremely territorial. So you set up on their scrape lines um hunt, really? hunt, for, that's- uh, hunt for four or five hours in the morning then get back out there and hunt for three hours in the afternoon but like and i'm sure you'll see one when you're down there you'll see a rub the guys will point it out to you and you'll look at it and be like thank you talk about it, that rub things like you know, <laughs> 14 inches off the ground and it looks like somebody took a pocket knife out and just rubbed about three inches of the tree and that's, All that's right that's their rubs like when they bend over that's as high as they get and you like it's not a rub you're like yeah that's that's what so, rubs is there a rut in the spring then it, i'm guessing yeah yep i got gotcha. yep but it's yeah it's just <laughs> crazy they're small deer but they're but they're awesome right like just like anything a little bit different yeah yeah that's cool yeah but oh thanks for coming on today chris always great catching up um i, I didn't even ask because i know you can't talk about it but i'm sure there's another bow that you're going to be testing out here this year um that's why I didn't even ask unless you got anything, <laughs> unless you got anything that you can, you can give a little sneak peek on.
2: No, no, they don't trust me this early in the game to spill their beans yet. I got, I got some time yet to wait till we can play around with one.
1: I give you credit. Cause you, you hold strong. Like you've had, you had that, that, that lift bow for a while and been able to play with it and use it in the field. And you held strong.
2: Yeah. Luckily, knock on
1: wood, it's been
2: four years now. Uh, you know, they they've had me a part of like the proving ground or whatever of having it for months <laughs> prior to launch. It's stressful. It's a liability for sure. It's uh you really gotta pay attention. You know, guys leak it every year. Oh yeah. Um and you know it's it's how fast can you nip it in the butt when they do sort of deal. Um but yeah luckily I've never Never leaked it. Knock on wood. So hopefully this year will be another year.
1: Yeah. You don't want to be that guy. So if, if um, no. uh, <laughs> on the proven ground, if that um, Alberta mule deer one works out, would that be one that would go on there? Yeah, probably. You know, we got to figure out still um, it's it's tough with with content,
2: especially because we shoot all this stuff with the new bow. It is nice to have some stuff with the older bow just to release it Yeah. Uh, on YouTube or whatever. So. I mean, I, I, I like to use the new bow. Like, there's a date that I start using the new bow, and that's it. Because I don't really like going back and forth, um, you know, between bows and stuff. So, um, we'll see. We got, I, I still got to figure stuff out.
1: Yeah. No, that's awesome. Looks like you got a great year. A couple of awesome trips. That Australia one's going to be sweet. I didn't even ask. I assume you're going in July?
2: Yes. Yeah. July, end, of, end of July there.
1: Yep. Yep, no, that'll be a great one to get the get the season going early on that one, and hopefully you get a get yeah. a big old bull down. I hope so. Yeah. Well, perfect. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for all your support and downloads. If you like this episode, please go and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, as that always helps. Do you want to book that hunt of a lifetime? Then give the team at Worldwide Trophy Adventures a call at 1-800-346-8747 or if you wanna start a tags portfolio for those limited entry tags, call 1-800-755-8247. Enjoy your journey.